Pastor Trent and myself are really, really excited about this summer series. We're going to look at, at David and his psalms. So we're going to spend the next two months just kind of navigating psalms and seeing how psalms actually is a great roadmap for our, for our life. Here's some of the topics that we're going to talk about the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to look at David and Goliath. And we're going to look at David and how he actually saw things with a kingdom mindset, with kingdom eyes. We're going to look at David and Jonathan and what does a, a spiritual friendship, a, a holy friendship actually looks like. A lot of times we settle for acquaintances. What does a friendship actually look like? We're going to look at David and Saul and, and how uh, Saul had to, had to wait and we don't like waiting and sometimes we want to rush the promises of God and and we just need to get an understanding of let's not rush the promises of God. We're going to look at David and Bathsheba. We're bored sometimes. And uh, we're not where we want to be. And that's the story of, of David and Bathsheba. And can we see the warning signs in our life? And then we're going to look at David and Absalom. And this is just like a, a story about a family that, that went wrong and how we can actually work in our families to, to be God-honoring. Here's the question we want to wrestle with this morning. It's a simple question is, what is God looking for in a person or a church where he can use them in mighty ways? Why does it seem that, that God blesses one person or that church down the road more than, than another church? Now, when I refer to being blessed, and some of you got a little antsy there, I'm not referring to, to financial or, or numer, uh, like number blessing, but I, I'm talking about a spiritual blessing, an outpouring of, of God's spirit. There, there seems to be, with, with certain people and, and churches, there seems to be this intimacy that is not normal. They just seem to be closer to God. We find the, the answer to, to this question in the life of David. I'm excited, and I know Pastor Trent's excited to spend two months looking at David. David, as, as we learned from, from Mr. Squibbles, he was that shepherd boy. He was the last of, of eight sons. Yet he was handpicked by God to, to be the king. He didn't seem like the guy that, that we would pick. He had lots going against him. But David, as we look at the pages of history, is, is one of the most successful kings in, in all the history books. God used David in a mighty way. Not only did, did David experience great blessing as, as a king, but David's people, his followers, also experienced his blessing. According to, to Scripture, and you may have heard this before, David was a man after God's own heart. That's what set David apart from everyone else. When the, the prophet Samuel, think back to Mr. Squibbles for a second. When the prophet Samuel was sent by God to the, the house of Jesse to anoint the next king that, that God was, was choosing, he was impressed on a human level by, by what he saw in David's brothers, but 
God had a different plan. God always looks at, at different things. You're going to see this verse that's going to pop up on the screen, 1 Samuel 16, 7. We get this, this interesting piece. We get this intimate look at, at David's life. And it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, don't compare, don't consider his appearance or even his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. God was, was looking at David's heart. God looks at our heart. It was the reason that, that God chose David. God's greatest qualification for us or for David isn't intelligence. It isn't skills. It isn't our natural abilities. It isn't even our appearance. It's a person after God's heart. So here we need to stop just for a minute and, and wrestle through the concept of how close is, is your heart or my heart to God's heart. Scripture reminds us that, that David was a man after God's own heart. David's heart actually beat in sync with, with God's heart. Here's some pretty amazing things about, about David. Does this describe you and me? Whatever God cared about, David cared about. Whatever God loved, David loved. What God wanted to see accomplished, David wanted to see accomplished. The kind of people God is looking to use in a mighty way. The kind of people that God blesses are people after God's heart. God's own heart. God works uh, powerfully in the lives of people and in the lives of a church when people choose to have a heart for him. Well, what does it, it mean, Matt, to, have a, 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 to be a person after God's heart? Acts 13, 22 illuminates again a piece of, of David's story. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified, God proclaimed this. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. I love this. He will do everything that I, that I have asked or I want him to do. So there's two pretty simple things as we start this summer series. A person after God's own heart, and you see it on your screen, is obedient to God in all matters. A person after God's own heart is obedient to God in all matters. The first priority, the starting place of being a person who has a heart for God is to do everything God wants us to do. We can spiritualize it. We could say some fancy words around it. We could even say, you know, a, a man after God's own heart is someone who wants to carry out the, the will of God. But let's just simplify it and just say, a man after God's own heart is obedient to God. God said it this way. Jesus actually proclaimed it. He said this in John 14, 15. All of us could memorize this verse. If you love me, Obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. Well, it's a pretty simple verse in theory. 
gets a little bit harder in life. So how do we actually do this? God says this, if you want to be after my heart, if you want to be someone who loves me, then you need to do what I say. For us to, to actually do this, we have to invest time in God's word. You can't know God's heart if you don't know God. You can't obey God's commands if you don't know what God's commands are. The first we hear of, of David actually being a man after God's heart is during Saul's reign. The prophet Samuel had apparently told Saul, King Saul, wait seven days for my arrival and then offer a sacrifice to the Lord because then you'll receive blessing before going off to battle. Saul waited. He waited one day, two days, three days. Meanwhile, as he could see in the distance, the, the enemy, the Philistines, had amassed a, a large army of soldiers. There were lots of chariots. They were ready for battle. With every day, the Israelite army became smaller and smaller. People were bailing. Finally, seven days went by, and there was no Samuel. So Saul decided to do what he thought was best. I can't wait any longer. I don't have enough soldiers to fight the battle. Doesn't that sound like you and me? We just can't wait any longer. I need to do something. I can't just sit here. So... King Saul chose to offer a sacrifice to God himself. Just as Saul, King Saul, had finished the sacrifice, guess who showed up? That's right, Samuel showed up. Samuel wasn't happy. Samuel wasn't happy because Saul had violated the, his direct order by going ahead without him. And on top of that, God had some specific ways that we were supposed to offer sacrifice. And they were supposed to be done by a priest. And Saul's impatient. He disobeyed God's command, God's plan. I love Samuel's response. It's going to be on your screen. It's from the New Living Translation because it just says it perfectly. How foolish. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have disobeyed the command of the Lord your God. Had you obeyed. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, your dynasty must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord had already chosen him to be king over his people. For you have not obeyed the Lord's command. The reason God took away the kingdom from Saul's descendants was because he disobeyed God's commands. Saul didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. The kind of, of king that, that God was looking for was a person who had a heart for God. In other words, one who would obey God's commands. A person like David. Hundreds of years later, after Jesus, another guy with the same name, Saul, who's also known as Paul, taught about what it was that separated Saul from, from King David. He said this in, in Acts 13, 22. After removing King Saul, God made David their king. He testified concerning him. I love this verse. I have found David, 
son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Having a heart for God actually means we obey everything that God tells us to do. That God wants us to do, not just the commands that are convenient for us or the ones we like. You are either all in or you're not in at all. The problem is that there's no middle ground. We all in North America like the middle ground. The middle ground is where we feel safe. We feel like we are unified in the middle ground. God will not use a person or a church in a powerful way without following God's commands. Did you hear that? All. I didn't say some. I don't get to just choose a few. This isn't at a buffet. Do you all remember buffets? You used to be able to pick how much and what you wanted. Oh, the good old days. You can't experience great blessing from God if you don't obey God in all areas of your life. If, if sin persists in our life, God cannot bless us. But Matt, how can I be perfect? Not even David was perfect. Remember that, that David has a history. We're actually going to look at his history in the next few weeks. David's history involves an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and his conspiracy to, I want that girl, so I'm going to kill her husband. David, he did sin. But here's what set David apart. Here's why God said, this is a man after my own heart. David confessed and turned away from his sin. How quick are we to do this? How many excuses does it actually take? You might say that, that you're a Christ follower, but are you really after God's heart? Does your heart beat in sync with God's? Do you care about what God cares about? Do you care about his commands? Well, let's stop for a second and just wrestle through that. Do you care about what God cares about? God cares when a person doesn't have a meal to eat or clean water to drink or clothes on someone's back or a place to, to lay their head in safety. Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? God cares about people who are abused, mistreated, treated unjustly because God cares about those people. Let our prayer be the same of that that was David's writings in Psalm 19:14. This comes from God's heart. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words that I say and what's hidden in the depths of my heart actually be pleasing to who you are, God. Going after God's heart is a priority for experiencing God's blessing. But David wasn't just satisfied with doing things for God to please him. David actually wanted more and more of God in his life. Do you want more of God? Do you remember some of the words that, that Pastor Trent started this service with when he read Psalm 63? 
we read that David's heart desire was not just to go after God's heart, but to go after God himself. Verse 1 said, you are my God. David, a, a poet, a songwriter, a musician, David was, was credited with 73 of the 150 psalms in the book of, in the, written in the book of Psalms. Almost half. The psalms reflect the kind of heart that, that God longs for. David poured out his, his heart to God in poetry, in prayer, and in song. Well, let's jump into that second one. A person after God's own heart has a passion for God. People who have a heart for God have a desire for for more of God in their life. They're never satisfied just as you hunger for food and thirst for water. Those with a heart for God have a soul which hungers and thirsts for, for their God. I love Psalm 34 verse 8 which simply says, taste and see the Lord is good. When you do that, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Some of us, if we're really honest, as we're looking at the screen, some of us have a passion for everything else but God. In Psalm 63, just to recap, verse 1 said, Oh God, you're my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh My body, it faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Other psalms continue that theme. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you, God. Where can I go and meet and hang and dwell with you, God? David's heart just didn't beat along with God's heart. His his heart beat for God. When the Ark of of the Covenant, the box that God instructed the, the Israelites to create to be the place where the manifest presence of God dwelt, as the Ark was being brought into Jerusalem for the very first time, what did David do? David danced for joy. The people were shouting and singing because their leader was so excited. Because the presence of the Lord was entering Jerusalem. He didn't care. He just longed for more and more of God. Would we say that we at Renfrew Baptist Church or you as an individual have that same passion and that same desire for more and more of God? Just like David. You know, I've seen people with a passion for a lot of things but rarely for God I've seen people have a passion for watching their favorite sports team member buffet sports teams maybe you're like me maybe we've just simply settled for the well it's the good enough mentality my relationship with God is is good enough It's got me to this place this far. I'm satisfied. Usually what happens with the good enough mentality is that it takes a a tragedy or a major life transition or a stressful time before we realize that we really need God. Why do we wait for that? A person with a heart for God isn't satisfied with the status quo. 
Every day they desire more and more and more of God in their life. They're actually engaged in doing the things that God loves. God honors and blesses a person, church that eagerly desires God's heart and desires more of him. So, as we start this sermon series, how do we become more like David? A person after God's own heart. Sure sounds nice, Matt. It it might even cause us to think, I would love to chase after God's heart, but I don't I don't feel it. Or my heart's just not into it. Maybe in our culture, our North American culture, we've misunderstood what the heart is all about. We think of our heart being a place of emotion. We say this, I love you with all my heart. The heart is is where I feel. But in the Old Testament, the time of David, the heart was just not a place of emotions. The heart was the center of thought and will. Today, it would be more accurate if we called it the heart and the mind. Proverbs describes this beautifully. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We think that the heart can only be changed by a whim, but in a biblical sense, the heart can be altered by the will, by our decisions. In other words, let me just simplify it for you. We can make a choice to have a heart for God. Pursue God until you feel it. And once you feel it, pursue God even more. It isn't about doing it when the mood strikes us or I don't feel love for God. It's about choosing what do I do? Will I obey God in all matters? Will I pursue God? Will I praise God even when I don't feel like it? When we make a choice to have a heart for God, God honors that by putting us in in positions of influence with others to actually build his kingdom. God gives favor and influences to churches in their community when they have a heart to obey what God commands and a passion for more of God. Let me pray and then I'll come back and give you an announcement just about Renfrew on the roof. But let's just pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, may you take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. God, may, may I have a desire to follow your, obey, your commands. And God, may, may my heart want more and more and more of you. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. We are incredibly excited to host Renfrew on the Roof next Sunday. We'll have a normal worship time just starting at 1030 here on online. It'll probably be a few minutes shorter. And then at 1.30, we're going to gather at a, a location that you will find in your email. And as we gather, we're going to practice all the regulations and and, and encouraging words that our government has provided for us.
What it's going to allow us to do is actually see each other face to face, which has been a long time. We, we long to see you face to face. And one of the things that, that I'm looking forward to is, is us taking communion together. Now, don't worry. The communion cups are all sealed. They are, they are more than safe. And as we, as we take communion together, as a church, we actually get to proclaim God is not dead. He's alive. So if you are looking for more information, if you haven't registered yet, all that information will be coming uh, this week. It's already come last week, but if you, if you lost that email, it'll come again this week. We would love to see you there. We're going to do our best to make it a safe environment for all of us. Let me pray a, a prayer of blessing over you as we walk into this week. Let's pray. God, as we pray scripture over my friends, may your face shine greatly on them. May you give them peace. May you protect them. May you cause them to fall deeper and deeper in love with you. We love and adore you. Bring us back next week, ready to hear more truths about who you are. We ask all this in your name. Amen.